This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm Scott. I'm Paul. I'm Steen. And we're going to talk about The Forge of God, a 1987 science fiction. Oh, you need to say it better than that. The the Forge of God. God, 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 God. (laughs) The Forge of God. A 1987 (laughs) science fiction novel by Greg Bear. Um, I read some Greg Bear prior to this. Um, Mm -hmm. Short stories, uh, a novel. Which novel? uh, The uh, lengthened version of Blood Music, which... um, Yeah, I I remember fairly well. Um, And, uh, Scott, you suggested this one, right? Well, yeah, I suggested um, Eon, actually. Yeah. And then then we kind of got together, and then then we said, oh, yeah, let's do The Forge of God. Yeah, Yeah, I think we somehow thought it would be a better fit. Right? Eon would have been a better fit? No, no, I I have no idea, because I haven't read Eon. But you, you, I think we came to the conclusion it would be a better fit for me, because I've got finicky tastes or something. Okay. And, uh, it and, doesn't and pass my. Oh, sorry, what's that? Mr. And did it did it did it pass the uh, the Jesse test? It's the purity test, is what. <laughs> the purity test. <laughs> um, well, I, I, I was the one who complained about it. I said I don't want that one. I'd rather have this one. I remember this. Oh, okay. Great, great. It's, it's yeah. Look, I like the book better than Eon. This cool. is Dean's fault. Right. I said Eon's okay, but mm-hmm. this one's better. Uh, when when is Eon in the in the chronology? Is it after this or before this? There's no, it's no, uh, I mean, in bibliography. It's yeah, not connected. In, yeah, no, in okay. his writing uh, career is what I mean. Um, that's a good question. I, I uh, Eon, Eon is three years before this. Three okay. years before. Okay, right. I was going to say before, so I think I win. All right. But yeah, it's yeah, good. Um, it was you know this is like the the peak of his career in my opinion. He's writing his best stuff I right think, around. I think he thinks so too. <laughs> He does. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, but well, he's gotten into some more mainstream stuff, and then um, Steen, you you would read. Yeah, he, he's people, writing right? some mainstream thrillers and things. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. His his old stuff is the good stuff. The new stuff seems to be more of uh, making money uh, and trying to be mainstream. And he's he's much better as a science fiction writer, hard science fiction writer, in my my opinion. Like really good. So uh, how does this one? I'd say it's oh. the second best one. Is I that... like it. What's his best? I, one? Yeah, I, I blood, blood music is still the best one. That okay. one is like really one of my top ten. This one's pretty good, but not in the top ten. Paul, had you read this before? I'd I'd read this before. I think this is one of his better ones. This is, as Scott said, this is near the peak of when he was really doing science fiction, rather than sliding into either military science fiction that he's done lately, or that whole weird phase where he did like techno cia thrillers which i didn't care for at all this is this is the greg bear i know and love all right and paul you uh, uh sorry and scott you had read this as well or yes i had okay yeah. Yeah. all right i yeah, i don't know why book, I uh, read it. this book had a, a profound effect on me when i read it the first time wow that's interesting tell tell me more about that well you know uh we we don't have a such thing as a spoiler territory on sff audio right right so no. uh <laughs> the the end of this book um, is in my memory. It's seared in my memory. It's just, oh. it's like the last 50 pages of this book are just uh, profound. Hmm. Uh, 
Interesting. Yeah, in, in my view, it's, it's the only good uh, end of Earth story I've, I've seen. All the rest kind of like go on uh, big mounds of water flowing all over the place. This is the only one that actually kind of is realistic in my viewpoint. We've done, we've yeah, done and that's those, what right? I remember from the book. I read it in high school, and uh, oh. what I remember is the end. Hmm. The, was... the, 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 yeah, I mean, everything in the book piles up towards that ending where they watch the Earth go boom, and then we got add the flash forward to them be them uh, after a period of terraforming on Mars and getting ready to get sent off to the galaxy to go against the aliens. That's that. I mean, I mean, most of the book is building up to end of the world stuff. It feels, I mean, now that I've reread this by audio, it feels a lot like the movie 2012 in a lot of ways more than I ever expected. But this of course came long before, but it's that last, it's that last ending, last ending part that really brings it all together for me. Mm. Hmm. Mm. Um, yeah, so I, I had no idea anything about it other than it was by Greg Bear when I started reading it. Um, so I had a bunch of theories going in, you know, like this is this is what this book is about, and this is what this book is about. Um, and uh, earlier this week I was talking to my friend Misa, who I think most of you know, and um, I was t- telling her that I had read this book before. It was a short story um, by a uh, <laughs> forgotten author who, you know, had a great idea for a short story and he did it really quick. And this book is taking forever to do the same job. <laughs> well, it turns out that, that that is not exactly the short story because um, there was some false leads or something, right? Um, who's the uh, the World War One pilot he was quoting at the uh, to describe the the action of the aliens? Um, you know the one I mean. Rick Thoman? No, it's the same guy who um, they quote for uh, in the Sandbaggers. He's got one of those British names. With, it's got a dash. Oh, you know, he's got a dash halfway through his name. Um, he's a World War One fighter pilot who taught all the World War Two fighter pilots. You know how to do the stuff in the air. Uh, anyways, he his his the main phrase I know him for is, uh, I was taught that um, laws and regulations were for uh, the obedience of fools and the guidance of wise men. And of course, that's a a brilliant line that I try to live my life by now. <laughs> um, <laughs> however, um, in this one, it was uh, how to di- sow um, discord among the e- among the enemy. Right, you. You don't give him one lie. You give him uh, as many as you can, and then yep. he he thinks, oh, one's telling the truth and the other's lying. Well, it turns out both are lies, right? And I think that's it's a brilliant strategy. Obviously, he's he's plotted the book in that way. So that's why I uh, I I was guessing wrong, is because I'm I'm guessing that he's doing a book uh, story called Strange Exodus which is a terrific story um, almost nobody knows about it's on it's on the PDF page it's in Planet Stories Fall 1950 and it's about who's it by uh, nobody you've ever heard of Robert Abernathy um, but I'll just read the uh, editorial introduction which says gigantic mindless gigantic mindless the monsters had come out of interstellar space to devour earth they gnawed at her soil, drank deep of her seas. Where on this gutted cosmic carcass could humanity flee? And um, mm. it's it's the story, uh, we pick it up basically at the point of the destruction of the Earth, 
Um, and there's one man left alive on the earth, and he's running um, away from one of these terrible monsters. He he lays down, you know, exhausted, and he wakes up. He realizes he's actually the thing he's lying on is one of the monsters, um, and he starts like uh, burrowing into it. <laughs> Basically, he starts a fire, and and then he, he goes inside of it, and he realizes that it's already occupied by others, other humans. Um, and they take off into space. And it's uh, so to me, this strange exodus is kind of like the prequel to the false story we're given at the beginning, right? With the parasites. Um, were parasites oh, yeah, on the, the ship? That could not, could not reproduce or live very long. Right. Long. The one yeah. that shows up in the desert or no, in the cinder cone or whatever, <laughs> right? Yeah, in cinder cone and death valley. Yeah, so I, I was uh, like. Greg Bear, good steal, um, but you're making this so long. And then it turns out that that's not the case. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then I realized that I still had read this book before under another title, um, but it was a <laughs> lot funnier the first time, and that's because it's called The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> and uh, am I not wrong that that's the same plot as this? Yeah, but it's it, the, the Forge uh, of God, it kind of... Uh, you need the people's uh, personalities. It's a lot in, less in funny. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot less funny, but but it's actually very believable. Like I, I can see this as a good movie or a TV show or something where it's like it's totally like to me believable and there's nothing over the top. Hmm. Like maybe my brain works that way. I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I agree uh, with Steen. I agree with Steen. It was definitely was believable to, make a movie to me. Out of it, um, a couple of times I think, but. Yeah, it's been optioned. Been I, optioned I think it's kind of dated, through. though, now, don't you think? Yeah, so like... Well, they can fix that, I mean, there are things here... I mean, you change Soviet Union Soviets to <laughs> Russia, and that gets rid of all the, po- the, the political problems. But the technology's <laughs> a little outdated. I don't think it does get I'm, rid of the political problems. One of, one of the things that I was really surprised about is is how dated the, the politics is. Um in the in the sense of uh, oh the president yeah yes um, but not just in the you know that you know it, it's funny because it, it it does sort of map strangely into the reality of today right with people trying <laughs> to impeach the president um, for I don't know being an asshole or something uh, whatever they want being, they want to impeach him crazy I mean the yeah, president in yeah, this yeah, book incompetent, is, crazy. has gone over on the bet incompetent and crazy they. And yeah, they basically just neuter his power. They take away his Twitter phone, so to speak. Yeah, <laughs> no, but I, I like that they got rid of him, so he wasn't really a big part of the story. I like that actually. That it wasn't like but they you know, spend a lot of time with with this guy who ultimately ends up not being of any importance at all. You notice that, like, but isn't that isn't that sort of part of the point of it? Yeah, uh, it the is. The profundity yeah. of it is, you know, what what has a point at all you know the, the entire thing is gone at the end everything yeah, yeah i think that right? that's that's a good point that's a you know yeah and i think that that's part of what is being said here yeah our, part our, our of most, the theme what is worth spending this time on yeah. our, our, our most powerful person in the world was totally useless yeah 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 and yet, worse than useless worse than useless and yet yeah it, it still feels like one of those those uh fantasies of competence that i keep seeing in these books remember uh, scott and steen and i and paul you weren't there as far as i know 
Um, at the 2006 Worldcon in Los Angeles, we saw. No, I had not gone there. Yeah, so we we saw uh, Greg Bear. Who was it? Greg Bear. Yeah, the the killer bees. Benford, Bear, yeah. Bear, Benford, and Bryn. Bryn, and no, there was also a V in there. And uh, Vinji. Vinji was there right. too. Three right. Bs and a V. <laughs> and they. So I felt that they were very self satisfied with themselves at the time. Did you guys notice that? Yeah, I remember yes. you saying that at the time. Yeah. Wow. Good. Okay. Especially. It's not just my yeah. memory of me thinking. No, no, no. Self, no, I remember that. Self satisfied. Um, and one of the things that made them so self-satisfied, I think they even said it, is they, you know, they had been consulted by, uh, you know, the higher ups in the government. Yeah, they said that. And that their consultation, you know, uh, led them to doing blah 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 blah. You know, like, and what I think is they got tricked, and they got tricked in the same way Dan Carlin got tricked. Um, they think that they're being consulted because they're so wise. Right? And they're, they're so well-respected, which they are. That's actually why they're being consulted. But their consultation is of no inherent interest to the people consulting. Rather, it's required by law that they consult with experts outside of the, uh, outside of the Pentagon. And this is, this is something Dan Carlin said on a show recently. Um, wow. I think it was actually on the um, Joe Rogan uh, interview. He was saying that he's come to understand that the people who, you know, got him invited to this thing and got a plane ticket and, you know, shows up at the airport and thinks he's might getting a hit put out on him because it was so weird, right? That that the the conference that he was called to, the CENTCOM con- conference, where there's all these famous names sitting around the table speculating on what the budget should be and how things are appropriately done it's just required by law that they consult outside experts mm-hmm. and that they he got the sense and then it was confirmed later by him talking to other people that they were just going to do whatever they wanted anyways but they're required to consult and meet cool people so why not well, meet cool but people? You, that's the thing is when you uh, you know a lot of people will walk into the white house and shake the hand of the orange doofus who who's running it right <laughs> And and they will be very happy uh, just to you know be in awe of the of the room and the the gravitas mm-hmm. of meeting the what a forty sixth or whatever president number he is and they can put aside all the the junk they have about you know him as a person but the thing is is it goes all the, all of them are 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 in a sense frauds in the same way that the president in this novel is a fraud right they're they're just guys who got elected to a certain job and you know the 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 feeling that i got from this book is wow this is really sort of out of touch with the actual problem they're they're making out like it's his problem is he's too religious when in fact the problem is is just he has no power or if he does it's not the right kind of power he's gonna do what he wants to do Am I wrong about this? Because Steen mentioned he wanted to. He, he he. What did you say? You said, "Is it okay to talk about religion on this show?" <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I thought it was is, yeah. The, 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 the religious angle of uh, will is there a God? Will he save the world, or would if there's a God, would he act with other other people? Hmm. Yeah. And, so and, it's a question while you're reading the book for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I I got the sense that there was no God going to reach down and stop them. But then again, I'm kind of wrong, aren't I? 
But it's uh, not God. That, it's it's not God that saves a portion of humanity. It's it's the aliens or different aliens anyway. The moms. And, and, and it's just the moms <laughs> who yes. are essentially and, a kind of God. No. Yeah, but they're all machines. So you could say machines saved us. There aren't any aliens in there actually. Well, they're all machines. Alien machines. I mean, moms are moms. Yeah, I know, but they're all machines. There aren't any actual green, yeah. green aliens walking around saying stuff. It's all machines. The planet eaters are machines. The moms are machines. The everything's a machine. It's machines all the way out. <laughs> <laughs> Except for that poor one lonesome alien that we find in the desert. That no, he's yes, fake too. He's a, yeah, he's fake. He's he's fake. He's a fake too. robot right. as well. Well, he's a, a he's a real robot. He's a fake artificial being, right? He's a right. no, he's a real artificial not, being, pretending to he, be biological. He reminds me, don't laugh, of a Doctor Who episode, a modern Doctor Who episode. I haven't seen where, a lot of those. Keep going. It's it where the a spaceship crashes in London and this pig alien comes out hmm. and runs around. It's actually an artificial construct by the real aliens who have come in to infiltrate humanity. Hmm. The, the pig alien is a distraction. They no, may have sounds like somebody's taking side. a page out of this book. Exactly. Hmm. Which do you remember which episode that is? Um, World War Three: Aliens of London, I believe, is the name okay. of the episode. Right. I'd have to Google to be absolutely certain. It's 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 the first new season of Doctor Who. Oh, okay. With, uh, yeah, with I might, yeah I, I'm not sure I got through the whole whole of that, but maybe I st- saw it and I was just too ridiculous or something. Um, hmm. So, yeah, I was thinking about how what other things are connected to this in the end of the world books that we've seen. Paul, you were on the uh, show uh, called When Worlds Collide. Collide, right? Yes. Which is, I think, a pretty good sort of antidote to this book in a certain sense, right? It's I don't know antidote's the right word. It's a, it's a, it, it's a different take. It's it, 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 it does go into the whole competence and trying to... We're going to build a ship and save pieces of humanity. Mm-hmm. So it has that competence porn that this book try that this book satirizes. I would say. Yeah, it's is is really weird that it is it is. Yeah, you're calling it competence porn. Um, I think ah. that's pretty close. Um, uh, did you guys know? I, I caught it. I assume everyone else caught it. Um, the reference to Larry Niven in here. Yes, nope. Lawrence Van Cott Niven, yes. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's this guy named Lawrence Van Cott who shows up, and he's got all sorts of great ideas, right? <laughs> uh, do you think that's a slight dig against him? Because it ends up being that basically... Like, the, it, it, this is a really weird book, guys. I don't know if you know that. You seem not to be noticing it, but I think this is a really strange book. Why, why, don't, you, why don't you unpack that for us, Jesse? Maybe maybe we're not seeing the weirdness yeah. where you are. Okay. I see goodness. Okay, so at the beginning of the book, there's a bunch of characters. They're, you know, I don't know, enjoying geology or whatever they do on the weekends, <laughs> um, spending time with their families, talking Stole about their dogs, you know. And then some weird stuff happens in outer space. Uh, some weird stuff happens on Australia, not very well shown. Um, uh, some weird stuff apparently happens in other parts of the world, again, not shown. But the Americans, they're on screen the whole time. And the Americans uh, have, you know, representative characters around, a lot of them leering at each other sexually, I guess, because it's a book. <laughs> I don't I don't understand why there's that much in it. Um, people complain about Larry Niven's books being sexist, but uh, this one is like just, uh, it, I, 
Science fiction writers writing about sexy time does not interest me that much. <laughs> um, so there's that. It's it's sort of I don't know. It's trying to be a mainstream book like uh, what's the Lucifer's Hammer or something like that. It, you know, trying to be Lucifer's Hammer in a certain sense. And or football. in the end, yeah, or football or something like that, right? And in the end, we go through all this rigmarole, and turns out absolutely nothing could have been done by the humans except what they were compelled to do by some spiders and all of the every single point in the story is basically just a a show is like it's like a dominoes falling uh-huh. and yeah the people can worry about their sexy time and worry about whether they're the aliens are telling the truth or not but nothing that they do is active in any sense of, you know, it's like ants, you know, you've got a bunch of ants out in your front yard and they, they're being attacked by you, you know, planting, I don't know, anti-ant traps or whatever. And, and the ants are all upset and angry, but ultimately they have no, no influence on what you're going to do. And I, like I, 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 is that supposed yeah, to be the takeaway that, that we come from? Yeah, that's the, the, to me that's part of the theme of the book. Like I said earlier, that's yeah. that's what it is. It's like yeah, that's weird, don't you? Yeah, you know, we we're counting here on you know the sun coming up every day and everything like that. Well, right. you know what? It wasn't always that way. <laughs> and uh, that's true. You know, it's it's fascinating to think about. You know, it there's is, a, it's interesting, but it just feels yeah. like like that's interesting. I didn't see that coming. Nothing they like, even the uh, just going back to when worlds collide, even the arcs aren't human, right? In 2012, right. the arcs are humans, human built them, right? Some, 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 you know, evil billionaires got together and they started, you know, using all that money <laughs> they're siphoning out of the collective humanity um, to enrich themselves to save themselves, right? So we got that right. going for us. At least some of that greed does us come good. Here we don't even, tr- you know, the, the. No matter how many Larry Niven characters are consulted, you know, the government <laughs> doesn't do anything. Doesn't do anything successful. I mean, I no mean, we do get, do anything, right? Well, we get the blow up the syndicate. Yeah, we do get it, that. Uh, it's the, useless. It yeah. doesn't work. But it's it, it's it's a futile effort. But it is an effort of a sort. And and by the CDs at the Library of Congress. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, one thing, and I was thinking, how how do they read the CDs after like they've left? Did they have any oh, CDs? Man, so many goddamn spinning discs in this book, you know? Like <laughs> it's nineteen eighties, man. Oh, I know, man. The CDs no, were the not, thing. It's That's what. Set in the nineties. It's set in yeah, the future, you know right? Yeah, Bobo's written in the eighties. Yeah. So. Yeah. It it didn't. It wasn't dated to me. I didn't notice. There's no cell phones. I didn't notice any of that stuff except the CDs. It was it was actually I thought it was pretty good. It it hit its uh, age well. Well, uh, and the Soviet Union. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of the things that's funny in here is, I mean, it's almost embarrassing, is he says, to, in fact, the Soviet Union is in terrific shape. Three years <laughs> later. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> like, very, no. few, very few science fiction authors who are writing in the 60s, 70s, and 80s predicted the Soviet Union was going to collapse. Very, very few actually saw that coming. I mean, that was kind of like blindsided the world so I, I, I can't fault uh, bear for that I mean 
consider that uh, during Pornell's future history as the Soviet Union and the United States basically becoming permanent allies for hundreds of years. So Yeah, I, I think it should be humbling, right? It's humbling, yes, and, and, and that's the opposite of the sense you get when, you, when you're standing there listening to Greg Bear and Benford and <laughs> Vinji, uh, you know, self Right, it's and the opposite of... Of what you're talking about, Brynn. that competence porn thing. Yeah, it's the opposite especially, of that. Can, you know, Bryn, though, right? He's still like that. Where he, mm-hmm. Yeah, Bryn is Brynn. very much like that. <clears throat> yeah, just, Bryn's on Twitter all the time. Yeah, he's very, very he's, self-satisfied. It, he's, incredi- he's incredibly impressed by his own brilliance, right? Um, <laughs> though, he's it, a happy guy. Uh, and the thing is, is they're not they're not idiots either. That's the, that's the really smart, you know, interesting takeaway is that you know, you've got all these smart guys, and they're they're actually wrong a lot. They're really, really wrong. But the problem is, it's it, it's it's it, you'll like this, Scott. I think um, it's like um, who's that? Uh, the politician with a wife who looks like an owl. <laughs> he uh, tried to run for president against uh, Trump. Um, he's he's got. Oh, white the hair. guy from Texas, probably. No, no, he's not from Texas. He wanted to make a moon colony. Um, I want to make a moon colony. Yeah, you don't remember that? I was like, "Wow, finally, <laughs> somebody." <laughs> um, he, he's got a wife. His she looks like an owl, um, uh, and he also cheated on his previous wife while she was dying of cancer with the. Oh, you're talking about Newt Gingrich. Newt Gingrich, yeah. right? Ah, Newt. Okay, so yeah, Newt okay. Gingrich, he's he's looks he's, like he's an got owl. His, his wife looks like an owl. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen his wife lately. Oh. <laughs> Look up Newt Gingrich's wife. All right, anyway, yeah, go ahead. So owl, there's Newt. You'll see. She, she's got really yeah. big eyes and, you know, not unpleasant looking, just owl-like. Anyways, um, she, uh, not she, he, he's, he's got this attitude. Like, everybody in the, I guess, Congress, is it? Or Senate? He's a congressman, right? He's a congressman. He was, yeah. he was he a congressman. Yeah, he was a congressman. During, during Clinton. Uh, right. Um, so, and after too, uh, long after too. No, not long after. No, felt no? like no, no, he, no. He was, no, kicked, he, had... he was kicked out basically. Well, anyways, when he was yeah. when he was um, when he was still something of a mover and shaker, he he thought you know the things he would say and the smile he would put on his face when other people were talking, it you could tell that he thought he was the genius in the room, mm. and and the thing is is. He pretty much was the genius in the room because he had read some books. He knew about stuff that other people don't. In, in fact, he's written science fiction novels, right? Yes, he has. That's Not ones I'm willing sc- to read. No, I don't want to read them, but yes, I know they exist. That's kind of scary. Yeah, he, and and some alternate history, right? This is a guy who he's read some books, and he looks around him, feels the temperature of the room, and realizes that he's the only one who's read some books, and knows pretty much anything other than you know he knows stuff that they don't know and he thinks he's Mm -hmm. brilliant because that and honestly that makes me want him to be president more (laughs) than a lot of other people even though he's he's uh you know conservative and all that stuff um that i don't really i don't think that really you you realize he's like trump's biggest fan he's Uh, like uh uh, from day one been a cheerleader uh, no, they they were actually um, in competition very early on, I believe. Yeah, very, yeah, yeah. When there were like sixteen candidates, he was right, one right. of them. But yeah, but but after he dropped out, which was early, yeah, then yeah, he became so, Trump's biggest fan. So uh, honestly, they're all t- Trump's biggest fan, right? The only ones who aren't are like David Frum and a couple of uh, other goofballs who, uh, you know, cr- 
created the axis of evil and convinced you know i i, I don't trust anybody I, I, what i what i think i'm saying is that left right divide is is a false reality and basically there's people who who are competent people who are incompetent and people who are incredibly incompetent and not knowing which one you are is the scariest part right obviously everyone thinks trump's incompetent um, I think you know that's the move that they're gonna, they're trying to do do on him. But the the guy in here in this book, I think he's supposed to be sort of a a satire of um, or some sort of rhyming satire of Reagan. No. Well, yeah, well, yeah, because consider the politics in this book. He replaced a guy who was big on space and technology, but not really good on practical terms. So he got kicked out. So now we have this guy. Who's much more Reagan folksy sort of? Yeah, so, and sort and of he's uh, consulting the good religious, the religious guy, um, in the same way that Nancy, I guess, was consulting the horoscope person, right? And, and well, well, we well there, the there, there, there were a couple of there were a couple of preachers who were really big and close to Reagan, so right. he's he's just taking straight from Reagan this here. Yeah, this. I, I think that he's not exactly Reagan, but he's he's a rhyming couplet of. Reagan in a certain sense, right? Yeah. What What do you think, uh, Scott? So, so, so you, you, you're well, talking about Dunning-Kruger yeah. effect, where dumb people don't know they're dumb, and smart sort people of, know they're missing. Sort of, but it was more yeah. Like, so, it was, yeah. yeah. So what I what I took away from this guy, um, it was definitely it was written during the Reagan administration, and I do believe that it was um, definitely supposed to be some kind of a um, sideswipe. I don't know a statement or whatever on. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the scary part of Reagan where, uh, you know, a lot of folks didn't think he was a smart guy. Um, but, you know, and, and the, you know, they, he kind of equated that with the religiousness. Um, but I, I, for one, couldn't imagine Reagan given that speech, you know, no matter what you think no, of Reagan. No, I, I, it didn't um, seem... He, I, I could totally see him saying, hey, everybody, um, you need to, you know, maybe, you know, make peace with your God. Yeah. But we're gonna we're gonna fight till we're all done. Done. Yeah, he would have launched a nuclear missile at Death yeah. Valley in five minutes. I could minutes. totally, I could totally have seen him saying some of the things that this president said, but that wouldn't have been the end of the sentence. The the uh, strange thing, right, though, is that he's not wrong in a certain sense. It turns out that his saying, you know, we're all done. There's no point. Um, is kind of true in the in the the, the yeah, novel that, proves that, that's that point. Kind of the, the, this irony part of it, yeah. Right, I mean, and so he, he ended up being the only one. Well, I'm not going to say that he saw. I don't get the feeling that he saw something that other people didn't see. Right. It was. Um, it was. He was. It was like he was resigned to the result without enough information. And I think that that's what a it's lot of instinct, people think right? that religious people do. Yeah, you know, but. I'm sure you can find some that do, but that's not what they should do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Uh, so anyway, I guess that's all I have to say about that. But the, the the president, you know, was such a minor part of this book to me, um, and we were we've been talking oh, about him the whole time. I'm not time. sure. There's I'm so not much sure. awesome other stuff in here. What, what, what do you think? No, I'm not. <laughs> to me, but, it's, well, to me, it wasn't a novel about politics and about the president and that. Um, there are there are there there, there was sure. this inevitability thing that we've touched on. This, um, you know, uh, futility um, and, you know, humbling thing that happens at the end, you know, should humble us, right? Yeah, um, I'm just saying, like, it's about, it's about, of the 16 hours, it's about three three hours were spent 
you know, worrying about what the president is going to do and, you know, <laughs> yeah, trying to overthrow him. The, and, yeah, all of, the, all of the people that were, you know, um, the, the system that we're in, you know, you need to have permission to do certain things, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what they're trying to do is, you know, we need to get all of our resources this way. And that's the reality of what the government is. It'd be the same in Canada, wouldn't it? Um, I, you know, I, the, I, 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 I'm not sure. Like, I mean, it seems I, ever since uh, JFK, it's, it's, you know, more and more attention goes to the presidency. And obviously we, we have, a, you know, a top guy in Canada as well. But um, he's much more easily replaced. Uh, and, I, 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 yeah, I don't want to spend the whole... I, uh, just the, m- my point is, is it, this is a weird book in that respect. Like, it, it seems to be saying, look, this guy's a bad president, right? Well, it turns out that he wasn't wrong. It's not that he was right. It's just it, he had a bad message or something. And, that, and that's kind of a weird... So he, was, he was right accidentally. <laughs> I guess, but you know, we don't get a sense that nobody ever says that later on in the book. You know, it's just like thinking about it in in the oh, huh, that's interesting. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and we spend so much time with this dude. It, it'd be like imagine, you know, it's that movie Air Force One, right, where mm-hmm. the president is running around the airplane, get off my plane, and he punches the bad guy <laughs> in the face, right? Um, and then it turns out that the airplane crashes anyways. Or whatever. What I can't even remember the plot of the movie. But then you say, if you walked out of the movie theater after you, he says, "Get off my plane!" He punches the bad guy off the plane, and then the airplane crashes into the side of a mountain. Everybody's killed. Oh, and when you walk out of the movie theater, going, that was weird. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, has I don't other... know. I, I guess maybe you're using the the word weird. To me, it was it was different. You know, yeah, uh, definitely a typical book of this type. Uh, they would save the day, and the Earth would be saved. At I, the end. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Right, and if if that's what the weirdness is, you know, I, I can totally agree with you. But I think that if this had ended any other way than it did, I would think less of it. Well, I, you know? that's the thing is is that at the point where we think that there there's no. Um, no hope the prayers are answered the moms come in Mm. and they tell us to do things and we do them and kind of happily and then they were the characters worry about whether they're you know uh, in the control of themselves or not even after they've been spiked or injected or whatever and and then they just continue, you know, they keep following the instructions. It almost feels like they're the religious ones, you know, because they're, mm-hmm. they're they have faith in this voice that's inside of them. Well, and like, it, but it, even that, yeah, go but for even it. that's not completely um, foolproof because we get a couple of the ships destroyed. Yeah, of the moms. So it's it's not so it's, it's, uh, that even the moms aren't omnipotent or or gods that we follow because the moms themselves are vulnerable and. Not all their not all of their efforts are successful, which I thought was a really nice touch. I had not remembered from my first reread. Oh yeah, Shanghai ship goes, Seattle ships ships go. So it's the, the, even the mom's efforts against against the other aliens are are mortal themselves. Yeah, yeah. But I also thought you know like I, because I was sort of into that skepticism that's laid on early in the book. I'm I'm thinking, okay. Uh, what about the sequel? It, it sounds to me, I read a bit of the preview, 
sounds to me like that we we sort of forget some of the rules from the uh, from the first book, um, and then we basically go on and it it turns into what it, it's got sort of that Orson Scott card feeling where you know um, what have we done? We killed all these people. Um, they, they, so yeah. you want me to spoil the book yeah, for you? Yes, please. Because I, 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 yeah, I, I, haven't, I, I haven't read it, but I'm interested. What, what what's, okay. the, what's the second one called? Anvil Stars. A- Anvil, Anvil Stars. Stars. Yeah. Okay. So, says, so Martin starts off as the main character of Anvil <laughs> Stars, and he's on one of the ships of the law, and he and the other ships go to find the aliens that sent out these world-destroying probes. He discovers that the aliens have defenses, not only defenses with um, you know, physical defenses, but they've also built civilizations around them and cultures. So, in order to destroy them, you have to destroy all these, all these innocent civilizations too. Which leads Martin to have a moral quandary about this whole thing. He starts feeling that maybe this quest for vengeance isn't the greatest thing in the world. Spoiler: In the end, his own son, his Martin's son, I forgot whose name is was, goes and actually finishes the job and kills the. The aliens that sent out the probes. He he doesn't care that he's destroying all these other civilizations as well. He's much more merciless about the whole thing. So it's mm. a really a treatise on the costs of vengeance. Interesting, yeah. interesting. Yeah. You know that's an I, interesting we get, we counterpoint. Get a, we get a, just a counterpoint to this one. You know, right? I wanted to point that there, out. There's a lot of uh, you know chapter openings, you know, in Latin and stuff. You know, like mm. sections or whatever. Mm. You yeah. know, but there, you know, like Agnes Day is Lamb of God, and uh, Dies Irae is uh, Day, Day of Wrath, and then Kyrie Eleison is Lord of Mercy. You know, there's a lot of uh, mm. talk about mercy in that Latin. And then it's interesting what Paul's saying about the the second book is we we repeat the cycle that that's really interesting to me. Oh, I, yes. I, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm definitely going to read that book, mm-hmm. but then uh, to have someone go ahead and be merciless on our part, you know, just um, you know, how are we any better than them? Uh, yeah, it's just a fascinating yeah, thing, and that's yeah. you know, as humans we keep doing. Yeah, you know? it's just it's just repeating and perpetuating the same cycles of violence. It, I I I wouldn't be surprised if they had actually conceived both books at the same time and decided to do that do it that way because they do fit together very nicely thematically. Interesting for me. I'm definitely gonna. I, I ordered a copy from Paper after the Soviet Union had, fall. Also, the, is he retcon it or? I guess not. It's well, but the Earth's destroyed. It doesn't matter. See, I the mean, Soviet Union still, fell. Yay. Oh, that, 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 there's, 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 there's people on Mars, and that's and on the Steam, ships. And you that's read it. this book, right? Anvil Stars. I forgot it completely, and I'm like Scott. I think I want to reread it. Okay. Now you've read. Yeah. Have you read everything of of Bears, or just did you stop at a certain yes, point? Yes, uh, everything except that that uh, Halo stuff. I I could not do Halo. Everything else, uh, Quant- Quantico. You read the Quantico? Star Wars novel. <laughs> oh no! He wrote a Star right. Trek novel too. Oh, that's yeah. maybe what it's I. It's actually good. It was called. I think it was called the Vulcan Academy Murders. Oh. Is that was that his? I'm trying to remember. No, no. I, I no he I'm wrote right. Corona. Corona. I'm sorry. That's it. Yep, I'm incorrect. You're right. That'd be worth it though. Yeah. But no, I've read all his other stuff, all the short stories, all his uh, long stories, and Halo was a hit. ring too far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we right, got to talk about the Fermi paradox. Because uh, th- this is a really interesting solution to that. Um, that you know, once we become noisy enough, we we garner the attention of the bad guys, and they come wipe us out. And, and I appreciated 
that they actually name check Fred Saberhagen. Yeah. The, yeah, the yeah. Berserker books, right? Yeah, the Berserker books. Which and I, I love, you know, I, I love that the characters had read some science fiction. I think that mm. that's too rare. Mm. <laughs> they, 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 usually, they had, usually they're like, we have no idea what to do. We're going to do the same thing, uh, mistakes that everyone else has made. Um, but it's cool that they, you know, say, oh, yeah, well, in this book. Yeah, they're genre savvy. And so, yeah. so, so it doesn't surprise me that he decided to have Larry Niven have the correct answer as to what, how the earth is being destroyed. Even if they can't do anything about it, even if his cleverness is for naught, I appreciated that a science fiction writer at least figured it out, figured out how a, it's going to work. Did they give him a berth on the, one of the ships? Larry Niven? No. No? No, he does, he does not survive. Poor guy. <laughs> I, I, I mean, there, 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 there is an awful randomness to who survives and who doesn't. Um, this book did make me think, yeah, I really do need to see Yosemite sooner rather than later because uh, yeah. I just ate up, I just ate up all those sections of them. Uh, piecing around it felt Yosemite like he spent a lot of time time. driving out there saying, guess what? This is going to be in the book. They're gonna, I can write it off. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> oh, come on. No, uh, I, I totally believe but I love it. I love it. You have you have those thoughts while you're reading it. And I was reading it. I was totally into the book. I was totally captured by it again, as I was in high school, and uh, it's just riveting. The the the, the last part of this book is just five star, in my opinion. It was really odd because I've been to all the places he was at. Mm -hmm. That was very very weird. It's like, yep, I remember that place. Yep, I remember that place. Yeah, yeah. So, but I love, I, you know, I, I like thinking about the Fermi Paradox because that's something that's perplexing to me. You know, uh, you know, why, why is it that we're not seeing, you know, uh, uh, teeming really? civilizations out there? Why, why don't we see that? You know, I think it's interesting. It made me, uh, you know, that's one, some of the stuff that David Brin has done that I appreciate most is um, like short stories and things where he's talking about the Fermi Paradox. Um, the Crystal Spheres is one that leaps to mind. Have you guys read that one? That was good. I read that yeah, so on that one, the first interstellar ship uh, starts to fly out of the solar system and then hits a wall, right. uh, killing oh. everybody aboard, but it breaks a crystal sphere that was around the solar system that we didn't know was there. And after oh. it was broken, now now we're part of the, the uh, community. Yeah. yeah. I like oh. that story. I thought it was neat. Yeah, it's a cute idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's it's the idea, well, the reason that we're not uh, in contact with anybody is because we're actually cut off for some reason, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I've thought a lot about that. You know, it's like the radio signals and stuff that we, we keep listening for. Um, you know, the Earth has gotten a whole lot less noisy um, because we're going all back into wires and things and, and directed transmission instead of just, uh, uh, you know, uh, well, directionless think transmission. Of, think about all, we're also, you know, only how long we've we been transmitting. It's not gone very far. Not very long. But that's what I'm wondering is if the radio signal on a typical civilization is only like such a tiny slice of their history because it goes up and goes down. We, you know, we in the past we've assumed that it would just like continue to rise for the rest of civilization, but it may turn out that 
Yeah, what's that? Radio signals are used just for a tiny blip in a in, a, in the history of a civilization, and then that, that's it. Science fiction, you know? science fiction novel uh, futures are basically everybody's living on Trantor, right, where the entire mm-hmm. planet is a city. Do <laughs> uh, you yeah, think that yeah. that's going to actually happen anytime uh, in the next thousand years? I don't think so. No. I mean, it, <laughs> It's the logistics of Empire just don't allow it. Well, yeah, and we've sort of learned a lot about what you know. It just in our time of being alive, we've uh, been able to anticipate the future and then see it come and see. It. Basically, it doesn't look like very much at all like <laughs> what we thought it would look like, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So why would we expect it to you know continue to look like the 1950s, right? It's not going mm-hmm. to you know with more with more. Uh, you know, flying cars and space packs or whatever, whatever it is. Um, yeah, here's yeah. here's my problem. I, I Steen went on and read after I discovered Greg Bear. I I assume we I gave him the audiobooks. And, yep. And then he he said this guy's amazing, except he's he's got some writing problems. But other than that, he's amazing. He's got he's got the ideas. He's brilliant. You know. And and I'm like, yeah, except that that novelized version of Blood Music. I mean, it's it's good and it's got some really good stuff in it, but also has some dross, like like some extra stuff. And yeah, I actually don't remember the novel version. I remember reading them both and liking the short one so much better that I don't even have the. There's yeah, some novel. good stuff in the in the novel, sort of you know, just the vision of what you see, like that. The, uh, I don't know if it was gray, but the gray goo, you know, pouring over the surface of the earth, it's a it's a much different kind of apocalypse than you see in this, um, and yet it's the same sort of effect, right? Uh, but I, I think the inner exploration, uh, you know, of of the people being transformed is even more interesting, and it it, it feels like it feels like somehow Greg Bear was he was just on a trajectory for greatness. Am I wrong about this, Feelingstein? We read this book uh, collection called The Wind from a Burning Woman. Yeah, that was actually one of the best short story collections I've ever ever heard. I I totally agree. And, like, I can tell you pretty much, well, a lot about each of the novellas and stories within it. And, like, every each one of them is so different from each other. And yet what they share is sort of the the raw power of something like... uh, you know the intelligence that you see in a a really brilliant writer. I don't try to think of an example. It's it, it, Ted Chiang is more like a master craftsman with with a one idea. Where this guy is like he's more like uh, Larry Nevin bursting with weird ideas. Like he I don't know he coming just coming down off some magic mushrooms and he's got to write it all down and it, it's sort of a it's raw. You know it's it's not a hundred percent um polished and now he feels polished like by this point i hadn't read this far past him after blood music um and i think i don't know why that was but i maybe Steen kept telling me about the books and i'm like hmm that sounds like a book i don't need to read <laughs> I, I i i think this era of greg bear ends about probably with moving mars wouldn't you think scott yeah, I read Moving Mars, and I remember not being too thrilled with it. It, it was like, okay, I, I, I can't tell you any details. 
<laughs> but pretty um, much before that, and and I haven't read his. Um, there's a series. I don't know what you call it. In fact, let me look at this. It starts with like the Queen of Queen of Angels. Queen of Angels. Oh, oh yeah, Queen, Queen of Angels. Angels. I, haven't, I haven't read yeah. any of those. Yeah. So Slant what what I read of good. his was like Eon Eternity. And then um, this one, and I never read Anvil of Stars. Um, I read a bunch of short stories. Um, Darwin's Radio, which I think I liked more than a lot of people did, even though it won a Nebula. Um, I never read uh, the sequel to that one, whatever that was called. Darwin's Children. I read Radio, but not Children. Yeah, I never read that one. And then um, he wrote some fantasies, too, uh, that I remember. It seems to me that I read something... um, he he, like, he he wrote, he wrote or yeah like those, those are really early Greg Bear I mean that was before he really even got into science fiction he wrote this the Infinity Concerto and the Serpent Mage but it seems like after moving Mars then he sort of moved into this um, almost like Michael Crichton territory mm-hmm. where in fact yeah. Darwin's Radio is kind of like that you know where it's like uh, something Crichton might write yeah it's a uh, mainstream science fiction maybe to make some money. That's maybe so, head. maybe so, but you know, uh, Michael. I loved Michael Crichton, so um, you know, and, and I and then I never read anything like the Quantico. Yeah, which so I, Steen, you read that, right? Angrily. Yeah, very average, normal, competent, but kind of boring. Rods from God. That was what that was about, like uh, launching uh, aluminum rods from space. Oh, the the Thor project. Oh, wow. Yeah. Don't remember. Was not yeah. intrigued. Um, I read War Dogs. Which was okay, but I thought, uh, Greg Barry, you're not really a military science fiction writer. And yeah, I, I haven't read the two sequels to War Dogs. War Dogs was, came out a couple years ago. The, the latest sequel came out like last year, and I, yeah, I didn't bother with the two sequels to War Dogs. I was, yeah, I thought, meh. Which, which was disappointing given how much I liked Eon, Eternity, Forge of God, Blood Music. Sure. That, that, and that I, whole... I do like him, you know. So to me, he is a great author. Um, even if I may not read everything he's written, uh, everything that he has written is way up there. Yeah, the stuff of his that I like is some of the best stuff there is. I mean, I didn't read his foundation novel because I, the you, you know the three the killer bees yeah. wrote foundation novels. I read the first one by Gregory Benford and hated it so much. I thought I'm not. I'm not going mm-hmm. to finish this series, even though Greg Bear is next in the list, because what sidebar, what what Gregory Benford did to pad out that novel, basically a third of that novel is basically just character names changes from a novella he had written 10 years before. I liked that novella and I remembered it. So when when they suddenly on this planet and start getting downloaded to bodies, chimpanzees, I thought, wait a minute, I've read this before. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like every plot beat, it's just like it was just like basically copying pasting with names. It's yeah, like that's really really that's, Greg Benford. That's contemptuous of the reader. And the thing is, is you you kind of expect it when you're you're basically do, continuing a series like this. Like honestly, what do you expect from the latest Dune book by Frank Herbert, uh, Frank Herbert's son? Right? I don't expect anything. Yeah. Uh, but apparently, it works for some people. So. Um, what, what yeah, I'm, I'm amazed at those. You know, they seem to have a lot of readers. <laughs> you know, don't they show up like on the New York Times bestsellers and stuff? Yeah, maybe maybe People it's a scam. It might be like no. you know uh, how uh, L. Ron Hubbard still sells a lot of books. You know, <laughs> some, <laughs> some sort of serious? scam. You, no, you, that, have, that, that, you have this view of the world that is just it, not, not matching s- mine. 
Yeah, they're not scams, Jesse. I mean, because I met Kevin. I don't he once know. came to Minneapolis for a book. Yeah, I, I like Kevin J. Anderson. Yeah. I met him a few times. He's been yeah. here. Yeah, he's a very pleasant fellow. And he's not a bad writer either. Um, nope. When he, um, when he um, you know, puts his his uh, effort in. I love I love his method. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, I've tried and been unsuccessful at, at that method, but. Um, he He's re- got to go or, into the mountains to do yeah, it. He, he goes on hikes. He goes on long hikes and he talks while he hikes, and then he sends those recordings to trans- transcription folk, mm-hmm. and yeah. they they do that and send it back to him, and then he works from that. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay. Yeah, some some people listen to audiobooks while hiking. He makes books while hiking. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. I, apparently, I read and reviewed a, a Greg Bear novel. I, com- I cannot even remember it. I was like looking through the list of Greg Bear book reviews which, on which which one it. which novel was it? A novel called Vitals. I don't remember oh. Vitals. And, uh, you know what? I read that one. Wasn't it a, uh, some kind of like a medical thriller or a, 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 uh, takes interest? Oh, it seems like there was a, a disease or something. Uh, I remember laboratories and. I'll read the least damning paragraph from my review. Okay. <laughs> I like Greg Bear's work. I really do. Or at least I did before listening to Vitals. <laughs> I truly savored previous Greg Bear audiobooks, the novels Blood Music and Queen of Angels. I don't remember that one. And the collection of his short work entitled The Wind from a Burning Woman are all great listens, even though somewhat difficult to follow. Unfortunately, vital sounds more intriguing in theory than in execution. I really cannot think of a single good thing to say about this novel's construction. It takes the interesting ideas from blood music, then ineffectually recycles them into an aimless plotting story. This, <laughs> wow, the central conceit the bacteria are taking over the world in an unpredictable way is blatantly stolen from blood music, Bear's best work. But Bear doesn't refine his ideas. Instead, he adds in a completely bizarre character viewpoint switch in the middle of the story, and later another non-sequitur change that the time period for an even more exposition, backing and filling to detrimental effect. Wow, that is damning. Um, <laughs> uh, one of the I, I looked up the Goodreads reviews of uh, the one we're doing today, Forge of God, and uh, one of the. <laughs> One of them sounded even more damning, uh, just in the headline of the of the review, and it said "word count achieved," and I'm like, "Oh no!" <laughs> and then, oh, then it went wow. on to say basically that he was he was making the back end of the book just longer for no reason. I didn't feel that the back end was longer for no reason, but I certainly feel that there is a kind of word count achieved writing style in here. Even though it wasn't necessarily in the back end of the book, I, you guys, I guess, n- not in agreement with that. No, I, I thought I, it was just right, just right. I don't, I don't think so either. Yeah, I don't know, I, I don't know if that was, if that was so back then or not. This, I think, this was longer than an average one. Yeah, it's feel, I don't it feels. Know. Yeah, six. Yeah, so it's you know, it's not the whatever the ideal is that they say now. Um, but anyway, no, I I thought it was I didn't think it was too long at all. I thought it was great. I mean, I mean, I mean, in general, unless you're like say William Ten trying to describe an apocalypse of the Earth, it takes pages to do it. Speaking of which, have any of you ever read The Liberation of Earth? Um, yeah, that's no. by uh, no. is that Ten William yeah. Ten William Ten. Yes, yeah, that's a long mm-hmm. time ago. That's a short story though, right? That's a short. That's exactly. So I mean, he was able to encapsulate things and. 
short stories, but very few writers have that sort of skill. And sometimes you do want to immerse yourself and watch the watch the earth slowly move towards an apocalypse and who will live, who will die. There, there are questions to be answered, and this this novel answers them. But I was I was thinking about the liberation of Earth as mm. I was re-listening to this, thinking about okay, you got multiple sets of aliens; they're all lying, and poor humans are caught in between. And in the end, Earth is worn out by the by the aliens feuding with each other. And what have the humans really achieved? Not a lot. You know, there's a um, a novel that I've read by Ten that, that, that I I think is terrific. Um, it's called of men and monsters it's yes that's an invasion of the earth story as well um and that's actually an expansion of a short story that is on the pdf page it's public domain nobody's turned it into an audiobook and that's a shame because it's a terrific idea the idea is that humans uh have their planet invaded by giants and the we are essentially becoming their household pets not pets pests like uh i was gonna say mice and the title obviously refers to that of men and monsters um Mm -hmm. instead of uh, monsters mice and men or whatever um however um it's more like we're uh termites or we're the the rats in the walls yeah, we're the rats in the walls (laughs) yeah but that makes us Mm -hmm. sound like we're we're a big deal whereas we're like more like the stuff they bug spray us, you know, because they were disgusting. Um, and because it's told from the human point of view, um, and humans have been, you know, reduced to some sort of tribal uh, lifestyle, um, it, it, it's it's hu- it's hu- humbling. Is that the word you were using, Scott, to describe the... Yeah. And mm-hmm. Humbling or hum- humiliating might be another word for, for it. Um, but in a sort of a a way that we never that's the thing is uh, i felt while reading this book is are we ever going to see from the aliens point of view what what the motivations are and i don't think we ever do any get any real good insight into that now if he if he had done that it would have been twice as long to be satisfying it might have been it might have been but but by doing it the way he did it he sort of he sort of put us with the people he With did. the characters that were going through it, um, we were as lost and uh, uh, confused and possibly scared as they were by not knowing that stuff. I, I think if he had written it today or someone tried to rewrite this book today, I think one major change would be to less make it make it less America focused. We'd yeah, have point of yeah, views from the other from, from the other from the other ships, and we'd see all the lies and the reader be able to put together. I mean, we infer the, the extra lies in this book, but we really don't know what's going on in the Soviet union or anywhere else. But I think a rewritten book of this, we'd see all the lies and have different viewpoint characters, maybe less with the crazy American president. So it's not 1200 pages long. And so we'd get a more global perspective of what this is like. So we'd have that's that's, if someone were to rewrite this book, that's what I would want because this, this, I mean, this book feels a lot like Independence Day, the movie, oh, where it's I like America, yeah. America, yeah, yeah. And again, what, what are the aliens doing there? They're invading. Welcome to Earth. Punch in the face, right? It's very. Uh, um, that's why I call it a close encounter. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like all these 
these lines that are going to be added to the film version, I'm like, oh, wincing at them already, and they haven't even been made the movie. Um, <laughs> honestly, though, the the to me the powerful scene in this book, other than you know having an interesting idea here and there, um, you know, ex, you know, with the oh, it's a reveal that, that they're actually not that that's not the aliens, and and then the explosion of the robots, that's good. But the, to me, the heart of the book, and it should have been the heart of the whole. Story dump all of the all the stuff about you know the president and just get rid of that completely would be to spend time with the teenager who in what's in the alley he sees the little thing eating a I don't know what it's doing a mouse or a cat spider taking apart the spiders yeah taking apart the mouse to see what what's what Yeah. yeah so. And then the, the fact that the next scene we see him in is like he's happy to have this thing. That should have, I mean, that reminded me of the Puppet Masters, right? Yeah. Oh yes. Uh, Heinlein's novel, and uh, to me, if, if we had spent more time, um, like if they had turned this novel into, you know, recovery team or security, whatever the, just spent all the times, so that we get the sense that the any attempt uh, at if we had like if this had been a novel of two two ways of dealing with the situation one is we get uh, some Larry Niven style you know billionaire Elon Musk style guy who's uh, we're gonna make a spaceship and get out of here go to Mars or whatever it is and then there's this other team that is basically influenced by the aliens and and now it's totally unrecoverable. Only thing you can do is preserve in a sign of uh, Arthur C. Clarke, the star, you know, make a library and that's it. You're done. Um, and then not knowing which team is right, um, that would have been because honestly, I'm like more interested in whether the humans were out of the under the control of the robots or not than almost any of the, you know, gazing fondly at, uh, while people sing Kumbaya at the end. I'm like, come on, get past the Kumbaya. Let me see those rocks fly. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, uh, you know, it's not to all tastes, uh, my my thinking. But wh- didn't you think that that was a really powerful, if not the most powerful scene? Is it, That's the turn in the book for me. When the... The, well, the Australian robots... Oh, that. Uh, my, my, my turn was the, the rope... The Australian robots self-destructing. Yeah, that was also that, a really good turn. It's like okay, then then the humans. I mean, we figured out probably read about it that things have gone completely wrong. That's when the humans figured out. Oh crap, we are really in it now. Yeah. Well, that was well the part I liked best was when I thought there aren't any aliens. They're all just robots everywhere, and we're the only. Well, they're alien people. robots, though. Yeah, I know, but there aren't any alien biological entities. That's that's what I got out of it. There are no aliens. Do that you do you recall if in Anvil Stars we ever meet any biological aliens? Oh yeah, the oh, the, yeah. The, the, the the aliens that are sending out the robots are biological, and there's oh, tons are. of okay. biological intelligences that are their defenses. So, okay, yes. I, I thought there's, they all died off. That was no, 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 no. Oh no, they're they're still alive and kicking, and yeah. Okay. So, yeah, Trillions, trillions of sentient beings are killed in Anvil of Stars. Trillions. Yeah, that's kind of spooky. Um, it, it is. Trust me. I, I uh, want to read the opening paragraph of the plot description of Anvil of Stars from the Wikipedia entry. 
because it has a really interesting uh, link. And I'm like, I've never uh, heard of this. Is. So it says, there are two interwoven themes in the novel. The first is the cost of, in, uh, the cost of justice, destroying the race that attempted to destroy humanity. And it is later revealed other races. Appears to be a simple matter of retaliation. Not the greatest sentence ever in. The killers, when they are discovered, have formidable, and this is the word or phrase that I thought was very interesting, philosophical defenses. I always think of, I have formidable philosophical defenses. That's what it literally I'm says. Trying to, I'm trying to remember Formidable that. philosophical defenses. I've got those. I've got all sorts of uh, philosophy foo, you know, that I, I can employ on my enemies. I don't know. I don't even know what it means. In addition to vast technological resources, they have created hundreds of sentient races interlocked in a culture of breathtaking complexity and beauty. The execution of justice falls to the children of the destroyed planets. And we get sort of that at the end of this novel with the, yep. with the guy giving his, his vow, you know, the children of Earth are mad. Mom's here and they're going to help us. Uh, well, the mom part's not actually in the vow, but... Those those from Earth base their ship on ship. Those from Earth base their on ship culture on Peter Pan, calling themselves Wendy and the Lost Boys. And the Lost Boys, that's right. Yeah. So uh, when you click on the thing where it says philosophical defenses, it changes name to Human Shield. It, that's what I was telling you about. I mean, they have all the they have yeah. all these cultures that they built around them, and to destroy them, you have to destroy all these civilizations as well and can you and do that then, and in the end yeah and then you look at the the this is what i love about wikipedia right is when you start doing the research right you, you start people start adding it up humans are fucking horrible look at this list 20th century 21st century and then it's just a giant list of of human shields employed to sort of muddy the waters when people are in war and of course, it's it, it's effective, right? Because nobody wants to kill civilians, uh, but you know, it doesn't seem to stop us either. So, uh, to me, this the second book sounds like a monstrous story. Humans oh, it gonna, is a mo- it, it's brilliant, but monstrous. Oh yes, humans humans get involved in this revenge thing. And we get that that in this book, you know, it's it feels like it's set up for for the sequel. Like it feels like there's not enough answers, so it gets set up for the sequel with with the the witnesses, right? The four witnesses and the law, and then that's what they call this the aliens, you know, this, their spaceship, the sh- the, the people ship of the, the law. law, the ship of the law, right? So who made this law? Do we vote for them? Do we have representation? Like, I'm fighting this book all the way. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you guys not fighting it, I see. <laughs> not, 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 not so much, Justin. Haven't read it yet. I'm gonna read it. No, no, I mean the. I'm still fighting the he's, first. He's book. fighting for. He's fighting oh, the, the first one. No, no. He's fighting the forge. Yeah. 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 I hope we we'll forge a compromise here, but no, we're just broken on the anvil of Jesse's unhappiness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice one, Paul. Oh, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I'll just be your. Your human shield before you step towards that <laughs> other book. <laughs> I'm trying to stop you any way I can, my friends. I've got these philosophical defenses. So, 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 so would you consider ever doing another Greg Bear book, Justin? Yeah, like, say, I would Eon? consider another Greg Bear book, but honestly, the thing is, is to me, his big problem early on was that, like, I was, 
I was going back to look at that uh, Wind from the Burning Woman review. Um, and the thing is, each of those stories is amazing. But halfway through the story, like, there often be a point where I have no idea who's who's doing what to whom. Like, I just <laughs> didn't know. Like, maybe he didn't have the skill to translate it, or maybe I'm just not... No, they, they have no ending. They have a great idea, except for the first one where the asteroid hits the Earth. There is there, He doesn't know how to that, do endings. Uh, that apparently... So that one, The Wind from a Burning Woman, the title story, apparently... Uh, is a I was looking at the review and I think I don't know if I wrote the review or not but it was at Eon oh no that must have been yours because you read Eon um, it's a sort of a prequel to Eon which is it's it's some lady's really angry and she she drops a asteroid on the Earth yes yes and it's they, like they the ultimate act of terrorism or something yeah vengeance Revenge terrorism yes this is back when Greg Bear was really angry before he got married <laughs> I guess or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, wasn't getting paid enough, so he was gonna he was gonna tell him. Yeah, and now and now he's rolling in that halo money, and he's he's good to go. I don't, no, I no idea. Rolling in the halo money. I'm just. Oh, I don't oh. think so. It's just a badge of shame that I'm at for forever gonna tar him with. I'm pretty sure well, he I'm wrote a halo it. novel, right? Why not? I mean, maybe he likes it. No. You know what? Unless you've actually read it, you do not have any actual I know, I know. <laughs> I, I don't understand how it could be good, but it might be. I'm doing, <laughs> I'm doing Anvil next. Anvil of Stars. i got to do it now. Okay. Even though I, I already did, did it like 20 or 30 years ago. Do not here's, remember one here's thing. Here's Steen's review of um, The Wind from a Burning Woman. I may, I may used to make Steen write reviews. This is back in 2003. The Whip. Listen to this. Uh, stories included uh, The Wind from a Burning Woman The entire crew of Psyche, an asteroid turned into a spaceship Is murdered Gianni, the granddaughter of the project's administrator Commandeers the spaceship in an attempt to uncover the truth I guess that's a non-spoilery way of saying what happens um, The White Horse Child That's another short story in there That, that was fantasy uh, An odd allegory about a boy becoming a writer God-fearing, book-burning, censoring anti-dancer tries to stop the child from becoming a storyteller okay so these are su summaries oh here here's the review part um the wind from a burning woman the title story was later to serve as a prequel to bear's novel eon and describes the possible consequences of the ultimate act of terrorism boy you're really avoiding spoilers there mr steen yeah uh, mm -hmm. the, the White Horse Child is a great allegory about a curious young boy who will grow up to become a writer. Huh. <laughs> Written in a style that owes a debt to Clifford D. C. Mack, the pastoral fantasy story is instant. I must have helped you with that. Because yeah, it sounds I don't know like what my writing there. Um, Petra is a very unusual fantasy tale. It's a religious. Its religious theme tackles the hard-boiled consequences of taking certain biblical prophecies. Uh, oh, bad grammar. Prophecy events as actual future events. So brilliantly does it achieve its originality, it reminds us why Greg Bear is so exceedingly interesting to read. Scattershot, my personal favorite, says Steen, in this collection, it sh its sheer inventiveness and exploration of consequences of the metaphysical physics makes it a fascinating listen. Yeah, no that, that was good because he, it doesn't have an ending. That one was really good. But is that the time it's... travel sort of? Yeah, but it, it doesn't have any any conclusion or ending. That's that was again his problem. Most of the stories as there wasn't anything stopping or ending the story to say we can stop now, except for the the the, the end of the Earth one and wind of a burning woman. They all, all kind right. of just went uh, and 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 that's it. And then Mandala. they all went off. 
is almost satirical examination of the far end of the human, uh, sorry, far end of the curve of utopian ideals. Could almost be thought of as Greg Bear's take on Arthur C. Clarke's The City in the Stars. Is that the one with the with the walking cities? Yes, walking cities. Yeah. Right. That, uh, the, and the then Hard Fought, which I think Scott probably has in a tour double. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, I do. A tour double. Yes. Hugo winning novella that follows the viewpoints of both aliens and humans in their interstellar war could be considered Greg Bear's take on Starship Troopers or uh, Haldeman's Forever War. In order to fight their battle, humans have adapted in strange ways. Yeah. Very non spoilery back then. <laughs> Didn't want yeah, to I've, got, I've got a hardcover of the collected stories of Greg Bear as well that I like. Did he write a ton of other short stories? Um, I don't know if this has everything. I'm just turning around here looking. Um, I don't know if it has everything he's written, but it's probably a three or four hundred page book. Wow, oh, yeah, that's pretty hefty. I mean, he yeah. he, he wrote a lot of uh, obviously blood music's not listed in this this collection, so it must be in there, right? Yeah, and that's that's a here, terrific book. <laughs> Oh, yeah, complete short fiction of Greg Bear. I see it. Oh, I see. It's three volumes, it looks like. Yeah, this is, this is a fair, fair of watch to Greg Bear's short fiction. Hmm. Yeah, let's see. It's actually 500 pages long. He wrote three Halo oh, novels. 650 pages long. It has to be audio, or to me, it's not really a book. If it's dead. not audio, it's crap. <laughs> no. If it's well, not audio, I'm not going to read it. He's not going to yeah. read it. Yeah. I hear you. So, 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 do you know? Do you know the Greg Bear connection to an author we did a couple of weeks ago, Jesse? Who's that? Um, you know who Greg Bear's married to, right? Uh, no, I can't remember. Oh yeah, uh, Paul Anderson's daughter. Oh yeah, I did know that. Um, so, she, uh, she's not a writer, though, is she? No, no, she herself is not right, but I find it like like pass it, passing down the torch, as it were. Although Greg Bear's fiction doesn't resemble Paul Anderson's, it's no, as you, really. as we said, much more Larry Niven, Jerry Pornell sort of ideas. Yeah, yeah. More, and and very very much Niven. But to me, like of that group, the 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 B's and the V guy, like I've never been moved by Benford really. Um, a Vinji, I haven't read really, so I can't say. And uh, Bryn, come on, you know he's good at ideas, but his personality is just too um, abrasive to make you read his stuff without, like, I don't know, being dosed on some 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 sort of soporific yeah, yeah, drug. Yeah, yeah. His hate on for Star Wars kind of really turned me off him. Does he have a hate on for Star Wars? Yes, he does. I didn't know that. Yeah, we did the, the whole Star Maybe Wars snubbed him or something. Monarchical thoughts, and yeah, it's like we should be for democracy, and yeah, Star Wars is yeah. I, th- I think it was even in that collection Star Wars on trial uh, part of that. So yeah. Well, he, I, I, I'm with him there. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. Star Wars is is fun and everything, but uh, it's just like Dune. I don't want to live in a universe where Paul Atreides is in charge. Come on. <laughs> How about Paul good. Weimer in charge? Oh, ah! You know what? That's probably even more dangerous. <laughs> oh, oh, be still my heart, Jesse. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know what a Paul Weimer administration would look like. That'd be uh, uh, 
got to be better somehow. It's got to be better than somewhere out there now. <laughs> I at least I like, like to think so. Would you be in favor of single payer? Yes. Government health insurance. You pay, you pay you, the government pays for it. We just pay it through the taxes and be I don't done think that'll it. work. I I don't think that'll work. There's doesn't no work. proof anywhere. Doesn't, there's anywhere. no proof anywhere that that works. You mean like Canada? Like anywhere outside the United States? <laughs> yeah. Well, we live in a fantasy land. It's not real up here. Our, yeah, we're, we're, well, we're lying to. We're lying to when we say that the healthcare costs are half of what yours is, just so you don't copy us. Yep. Yeah. Oh. Uh, that that makes perfect sense. Okay, so maybe we should build that wall along Canada then. <laughs> See that Paul Weimer administration even more dangerous than some. <laughs> the other weird thing I remember was I, I thought I got a job down in the United States. Thought, oh, the taxes are going to be so much lower. I'm going to be rich. Yeah. The taxes were the exact same in Denver as they were in Toronto. The exact same, within half a percent. But you, all you, you can have it. pride in all your military uh, money, go, all that money going to the military expenditure overseas. Yeah, that's what I said. I, I said to Matt, my co I, I thought I was going to get rich. I mean, we're supposed to have low taxes here in the United States. I was going to buy awesome stuff. And he goes, how do you think we pay? How do you think we bomb all the brown people? We, well, we have to have these aircraft <laughs> Oh, my carriers. God. Then we have to have these airplanes and you have to train everybody to do it. Well, that's what you're paying for, Steen. So, <laughs> yeah. I thought I was going to have so much money left over, and I had none. The same. So that 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 that's where I saw. I was like, this is insane when you're paying 20% for health care of your whole GDP. That's crazy. One day. One day, One Paul. day. One day. One day. Scott, are you but, still looking up that book? The uh, I have it in front of me. The Greg okay. Bear Collected Stories. Yeah. What am I looking for? I don't know. What, what's I in there? Um, let's see. Blood Music, Sisters... A Martian Recorso, Schrodinger's Plague, and then it's got Heads, The Wind from a Burning Woman, The Avenging, Per Paris, yeah, oh, yeah Per Hesperon, Scattershot, Plague of Conscience, mm-hmm. The White Horse Child, Dead Run, Petra, Webster, Through Road, No Wither, Tangents, The Visitation, Richie by the Sea, Sleep Side Story. It's got a lot. Judgment Engine, The Fall of the House of Esser, (laughs) The Way of All Ghosts, Um, MDIO, Ecosystems Increased Knowledge of DNA Languages, (laughs) and Hard Fought. Um, uh, 650 pages. Do you, uh, Steen, you've read a lot of Barrett. Did uh, did you read his first novel, Higura? Because I I have a feeling there's... Yeah? Yes, I remember now there's these big, tall things people climb up to read. Uh, again, it was one of those good ideas, but no, the execution was kind of off. Yeah. It's like it's interesting, but... Illustrated, that's interesting. Um, yeah. They're... So I just, I, I wonder what, like, the, the there was a turn somewhere in his own life where I, I just didn't want to read his books after that. And I don't, I don't know, like, <laughs> you know, like... William Gibson, right? I'll read his first novel again. I'll read it again. If you twist my arm just a bit. But um, it, it's not like the quality dropped off uh, in every subsequent one. It's just like, is is it an ideas thing? Came to Canada. Maybe that was it. Ah. Mm-hmm. No, 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 I think he no, wrote that up here. 
He wrote oh, that. Oh, he did? Movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. But, um, no, I mean uh, in terms of Greg Bear. Because <laughs> pe- obviously we stopped reading his stuff, everybody, right? After a certain yeah. point. Paul? What's that? Greg you're Bear? Still reading his, yeah, are you still reading his well, stuff as that, it comes out? I, 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 as I said, I haven't read the last two novels in the War Dogs series. I read War Dogs in 2014, and but did not bother with the sequels. If he comes up with a something that might intrigue me that's not Mill SF or or Techno Throw, I might yeah. try it again. I, I have enough residual good feelings about Greg Bear to give him another go, but I'm not rushing out and thinking, what's he, what's he got next? What's he got next? What's yeah. he got next? Yeah. But, uh, what was the last one you finished with, Steen? I don't remember. Was it Darwin's Radio or? I, I did Darwin's Radio. I, I like that one. So I, the, I, he had one in 2010 called Hull Zero Three, and I, oh, I read that too. That was kind yes, of like Endorum, the movie. Yeah, except I the, did not like that one. I it was okay hmm. for me. City Everybody's at the end of time. Has anybody read Dinosaur I, Summer? No. I have. You like it? That's I what I might read. The Dinosaur Summer is a YA alternate history novel where there are dinosaurs that exist on a plateau in Venezuela. And so for a mm-hmm. long while, circuses in the U.S. have dinosaurs as attractions. Ah. These, 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 uh, these circuses die. Yeah, yeah. These, they, they basically take dinosaurs from these dinosaurs. So the, the last circus is giving up the dinosaurs. So it's a journey to bring the dinosaurs back to their original lost world mm-hmm. home. Nice. So it, it, it's a it's 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 a nice way. It's not it's not world breaking, but mm. I mean it's, it's nice to have. Oh, dinosaur dinosaurs still exist in the modern world. That's neat. I'll I'll read yeah. that. How about the city at the end of time? That looks interesting. I, I like that one a lot, actually. Yeah. So That's- Jesse, listen to this. It says uh, Wikipedia says the city city at the end of time by Greg Bear, two thousand eight. The novel belongs to the dying earth subgenre. It's rooted in hard science fiction, but incorporates several other genres, including fantasy and horror. Um, talks about William Hope Hodgson and Arthur C. Clarke, mm-hmm. um, The Nightland. Okay. Um, so the first and paragraph Arthur C. says... Arthur C. Clarke would be the one we just did, which was yeah, yeah. The City and the says Stars. The yeah. story follows three drifters in present-day Seattle who are tormented by strange dreams of the Kalpa, a city 100 trillion years in the future. The Kalpa is attempting to ward off the Typhon and an inexplicable entity that has consumed the rest of the ancient universe and broken down the laws of physics. I've got yeah, an idea. Th- I'm going to get Steen to read it. And if he, th- if he <laughs> says it's okay. If I complain nonstop, then I will know it's not for me. Horse? I, I, I've been using Steen as my, I don't know, wall barrier. Between, yeah, total bear fi- but, uh, b- filter for a lot of stuff. Because he, mm-hmm. he seems to get passionate about stuff like that, and I'm like really skeptical. <laughs> but if if he says it's worth it, then it's a possibility for me. But if he if he says you won't like it, I know he's right. Because <laughs> I obviously don't like much. It exists on audio. Oh, yeah, I, I I just went to Audible to find out. All right, because well, it has been like seven Steve, years. Before you read Anvil of Stars again, will you uh, <laughs> attempt this one? Sure. Uh, City at yeah, the end I want to read more bear. I, I I forgot how much I like them. All right, yeah. you start you start reading that and see how much um you, how far you get into it, and you tell me, uh, and then we'll we'll come back to the idea of revisiting another Greg Bear because honestly, I do like Greg Bear's ideas. I'm not so hot on his writing, 
if if that makes sense. I, I liked his writing in this one, especially. Um, uh, you know, Orson Mor- of... Scott Card novel is is yeah. you know super smooth, and the story just moves forward, and it's effort effortless to listen to. Yeah, I think I told you this one's easy listening. Yeah, it was. Um, You're right. That's what I meant. There's just something about the writing that makes it so. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, um. Yeah, it was easy. It almost too easy. Um, well, I don't, I don't well, mind that whatsoever. Um, yeah. I, I like it. I, it's like a transparent uh, writing I, yeah, style. Yeah, I mean that's like, nice, but but I also I like to be challenged as well, and not sure. not. But I also don't like to be challenged so much that I don't know what's going on, right? Like, which has mm. been done. But obviously he smoothed out his his rough edges. But uh, in terms of you know getting getting things smooth, but. It, this book's only uh, this uh, city at the end of time is only 496 pages. It's from 2008, so maybe it it'll work. I mean, I like that genre, right? And it says there's another yeah, influence in there mm-hmm. is uh, uh, Borges, which you know I'm I'm a fan of. So it's, we like Borges. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> keying Olaf Stapleton, right? There you go. There's another one keying the right notes yeah. to make Jesse uh, sing or whatever. <laughs> That's um, cool. You know, uh, the, the, we had some Voyager One news this week. You know, oh yeah, about, that was uh, cool, oh yeah, they, right? yeah. yeah I, I, tweeted, I tweeted a paragraph from an article that said, um, "I'm just looking for the tweet to get it exactly." But um, uh, rather than waste time, it's it said something like, "In the year forty thousand something, it'll pass between you know one and a half light years from some star." Mm-hmm. And I thought, how cool is that to even think about? Uh, that that's just awe inspiring. Yeah, um, it took forty thousand something. It took twenty nine minutes for the uh, the signal or something to get out. Yeah, there. to go round trip. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Something like that. Love it, love it. You know, so th- there's a lot of these you know far future things that really really are cool. That's so, that's a, a, one me. of those long term projects that still is paying off, right? The when that launch in mid seventies. Yeah. 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 Sure did. That's yeah. I want I want to see more like that. Can we do more of that? <laughs> hey, we're still driving around on we're still driving around on Mars, and those were supposed to last for like twelve months or something. Yeah, the uh, what's that one? The rovers. Yeah. Is there two rovers? Two of them, yeah. Oh, okay. I think well, I, 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 I mean they're they're kind of breaking down now, but yeah, yeah, yeah. far exceeded the lifespan. Far exceeded expectations. Love it. Under Over engineering administration, more more funding to. Uh, Two rovers on Mars, and uh, I want to see some Venus action. <laughs> some hot, hot the, Venus the, action. The, the problem with Venus is it's a one-drop shop, and they're dead because no, Venus... do balloons, dude. Balloons. Balloons, balloons on balloons yeah, on uh, zeppelins uh, on Venus. Please. Ben Bova wrote a cool book about that. I know you guys don't like Ben Bova very much, but I do. I, I uh, his I book like Venus City of was Darkness. really good. I thought. But they flew. They flew to Venus and then entered the atmosphere and then uh, inflated and turned into a dirigible and floated around Venus that way. Pretty spiffy. This is a Ben Bover story. I like it's. I believe uh, stars won't you hide me about Earthman tries to go against aliens to the end of the universe. Uh huh. That was a good story. Steen's the Boba hater. I used to love Steen, Boba. Steen's not a Boba fan. No, I used to love him. Now I hate him. He, he got betrayed what... by Boba. <laughs> yeah. 
betrayed by the boba. The notorious boba betrayal. So can can we bear to put a cap on this episode oh, then? Oh, <laughs> if the Paul Weimer administration is going to be puns, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's how my administration came to an end. <laughs> oh, well, indict him right now. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. Politician. Yes, but, compared, but compared to average politicians here, he's relatively left and he's younger than Bernie and Bernie annoys Bernie bros annoy me for a variety of reasons. So, yes, I take that trade. And wow. Wow. Just wow. <laughs> We're starting off the <laughs> yeah, podcast yeah. in a very dangerous way. Um, <laughs> let's. Well, exactly. Yeah, and I'm I'm the uh, I, I would define myself as a conservative in transition. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> we need a pronoun. We need a, pronoun. We need a new pronoun. <laughs> <laughs> he's cis. Oh, he's cis. Great. He's cis socialist. I don't know what that means. <laughs> oh, awesome! All right. Oh man, what's That's this book funny. called? Uh, Forge of God. The that's Forge right. of God. 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 All right. I'm going to the Wikipedia article. I'm ready to start. Steen has made extensive notes, so we have to take a break every no. once in a while within the <laughs> within the show to let him spill some notes Fantastic. off. Okay. I I, I, I finished it 20 minutes ago. Good. Oh yeah. I only yeah. finished it two minutes ago. <laughs> I finished I like it a week ago. Right at the end. Well, yeah, I finished it a week ago too. Did the end of yours end like mine? Well, uh, let's it save actually, it for the podcast, okay? Let's get started. Mine actually went by on time. Yeah, right, 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 right. Save it for the podcast. Here we go. <laughs> Everybody ready?